Do you know what the Lord's Prayer is? Yes. Can you say it for me? <laughs> All right, so what is the Lord's Prayer? Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Um, isn't, isn't it a song that you sing at weddings? Our Father who art in heaven, I come before you. And that's pretty much all I can remember for the time being. What is the Lord's Prayer? I have no idea. Could you fill in this blank? Uh, our Father, which art in heaven? No. Our Father, if I'll start you off. Our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 None of that was made up. So for those of you that you've known the Lord's Prayer all of your life, or you've quoted it a hundred times or a thousand times, those were real people on Marietta Square, and they were asked that question, can you, can you say the Lord's Prayer? Do you know what the Lord's Prayer is? Because the Lord's Prayer is this famous prayer. And so for people that have some connection to the Bible or some connection to church or maybe even just some connection to some religious something in their past, whether it be family, a grandmother, some prayer in a Christian school or something like that. Many of us could quote pieces of it, or maybe some of us, we, we think it might be a song that you sing at weddings or whatever. But the Lord's Prayer is found in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, and it says this, this will not be on the screen. It says, pray then like this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's in the middle of Jesus's first major sermon when he was here on earth. And over the last couple of weeks and then for another couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the prayer, the Lord's prayer, the disciples prayer, the prayer of the disciples, whatever you want to call it. This is really for us to do two things. One, to really learn about the Lord's prayer, but the larger win for all of us is just an, a better understanding of prayer in general, how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, who to pray to. And so we started two weeks ago and we looked at who we were praying to. The first line of the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we were talking about who God is, who we're directing our prayers to. And we kind of came away with this phrase, when you know who it's to, you know the what and the how. And we, we talked even last week that if you're making a presentation and you're talking to someone about some new product you have on your job, it, it matters who you're talking to. If you're talking to the finance guy, it needs to have a financial implication part to that presentation. You're talking to the, you know, the product development guys, that's what they're worried about. So when you know who you're talking to, that determines the what and the how that you deliver that presentation. And prayer is the same way. If we don't know who we're praying to, then, then we might get mixed up on what we're praying or how we're praying. And so that's important. The second week, we talked about uh, the, the next part of the prayer that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. We sang about that this morning, a song that Sean, uh, our worship leader, had, had co-written. And, uh, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and that's, that's great. It sounds good in a song. It's really exciting. But what does it actually mean? And so what we looked at is we looked at when I don't want to, I will, because your will is what I want. It was the idea being that God's kingdom, his rule and reign, his will, his desired future for us and for the earth that's already happening in heaven is what we submit ourselves to when we pray. And so we can present our needs to God and petition God. And we believe in that. We believe God wants us to do that because we're praying to our father. So there's a personal relationship there. 
but we do understand that we're ultimately trying to get in line with and really petition God to find out what his, what his will is and what his rule and reign looks like. And so today we're going to continue in that series, we're going to, or in that thought, and we're going to continue in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, flip with me to Matthew 6 where we've been. We're going to be in verse 11 today, and we're going to look at just one short phrase out of this prayer and really build on that. And over the next coming few weeks, we'll finish up this series, finishing out this prayer. Today, we're looking at Matthew 6, 11, which says, Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you just read that, and some of you you did, you just read that, you might think we're, we're really talking about bread. And we are, except that we're talking about more than bread. And what we want to do is we want to look at what this this phrase, this sentence, this part of this verse really applies to us. Because maybe you're not a bread eater. Maybe you're on a no-carb diet and so you don't eat bread. That was funnier than you gave it credit for. But maybe you don't eat bread. I eat bread. I can eat bread any way you can make it. I love bread. I can, I, a meal is not complete until I've had some kind of bread with my meal. But we are understanding here that in this context that Jesus was teaching them how to pray, bread was a huge part of their religious experience and their social experience. Bread was a, a huge part of, of their dietary needs. It was also a huge part of the religious experience. And if you read throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament... You you do some uh, studies beyond the scriptures and just look at that ancient culture, you would see that bread played a huge part. And there's a lot of figurative things. There's a lot of cool language that relates to bread and what bread is and how bread relates to us. If you look in the Old Testament, there actually was a, the idea of a, of a show bread. It was some loaves of bread that were presented and sat in front of the presence of God in the temple. And it was changed out every Sabbath. And, and you couldn't eat it. It wasn't for eat. It was really to remind the people of God about the provisions of God. You go into the New Testament and you see that, that Jesus broke bread with his disciples right before he went to the cross. And he says, this is my body. Right? And so there, there's bread throughout the scriptures from Old Testament and New Testament and even beyond the scriptures that show in this culture bread was a big deal. But notice here that when Jesus is teaching them how to pray, he's not saying, give us this day our daily steak. Right? That would be an awesome prayer for me because more than bread, I love steak. And so if this was the prayer, I would pray this prayer every day. Give us this day our daily filet. I mean, I would think this is the greatest prayer ever. Somebody else likes filet back there. So that would be an awesome prayer. But what we understand here is this is not about delicacies. This is not about just our wants and the things that we want or desire. This is really about our basic needs, our basic kind of have-tos, not our want-tos, right? And so when we're in the middle of this prayer, we're understanding the context by which Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And so he's, he's petitioned God, the Father in heaven who's holy, and he submitted himself to the kingdom of and the will of God that's in heaven. We want to pull that will, that kingdom onto earth and really live in the rule and reign of God. And then he's saying, give us this day our daily bread. Now, what's important here for you in your Bible, if you're reading, you know, a, an actual bound leather bound or something bound Bible, there's paper there. That paper is a really novel thing. If you've got a technology piece and you're reading it on that, it may not have this. But in your Bible, there may be a note there. And it may say something like this at the end of this verse. It may say, give us this day our daily bread. And there may be a little small alphabetical letter there. It may be an N or a Y or a Z, whatever it is in your Bible. And there may be a note that corresponds to that letter at the bottom of the page that says, or for tomorrow. Okay? Does anybody's Bible have that? 
No? Good. Okay, so you guys don't have the bad Bibles. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. That was, again, funnier than you gave it credit for. But there are some versions of Scripture that say, or for tomorrow. And then, so we're going to come back to that in a second. Then there is a parallel Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11 doesn't have the full version of the Lord's Prayer as written here in Matthew. And and scholars debate whether this is Luke uh, really talking about the same experience where Jesus was, was teaching the Lord's Prayer. Or if it was just another teaching. You know, us preachers, we get repetitive sometimes and we use some of the same material. And maybe Jesus did that too at a later sermon. He just used a portion of the Lord's Prayer or some of those same words. And Luke recorded it then. But in Luke chapter 11... This verse that we read in Matthew chapter 6 says this. It says, give us day by day our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. So let's kind of pull all three of those versions together to try to get some understanding of if they all mean the same thing. Matthew chapter 6 says, give us this day our daily bread. And it could say, depending on your translation of the Bible, give us this day our bread for tomorrow. Or in Luke chapter 11, it says, give us day by day our daily bread. Now, let me just help you understand here. I, I kind of I researched about six different sources to make sure that this was true. Every single one of those things means the same thing. So whether it says, give us this day our daily bread, or whether it says, give us this day our bread for tomorrow, or if it says, give us day by day our daily bread, all of those refer to the same idea. And it is that we get from God, from the provider, enough for one day. So whether you're praying in the morning and praying that God provides during this day our daily bread, or whether you're praying at night, as, as some of the ancient religious beliefs would have, would have led them to do, whether you're praying at night, give us this day our bread for tomorrow, provide for us into tomorrow, because we're going to go there, we're going to be in tomorrow, we need provision there as well. Or if you're reading... And Luke, every single day, day by day, give us our daily bread. It's the idea here in the original language, because sometimes the English limits it and limits us to our understanding. But it's the idea in the original language here that there is a successive or continual provision. It's, it's this word. If it was actually translated this way, it might make more sense to us. Give us our ever coming bread. Give us our successive, continual, ever coming bread. So the idea is give us the bread that's needed to make it through this day. So again, whether you're praying for this day or for tomorrow's day, you're praying for one lot of time. And that's very, very important. Now, the word that's used for daily, so we've got the day by day or day for tomorrow. The word that's daily there, daily bread, is this really cool Greek word. And I fumbled Greek a little bit last week, so I'm going to try to do it again. If you were to read it in Greek, it would kind of sound like this. This is the transliteration of of what that word would mean. Epiousios. Everybody say that. Oh, some of you are brave. Some of you are like, I'm not saying that. I'll, I'll embarrass myself. Um, Epiusios means, and this is the word daily there for daily bread. It means sufficient for today. So if you pull all these things together, and we're going to jump off this in a minute, but if you pull all those things together to make sure we all understand what we're talking about, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and in turn, he was teaching to us how to pray. And he was saying that in the middle of this prayer, when we begin to petition God, when we have acknowledged who God is, so we've, we've put our sights on him. When we have understood that he has a rule and a reign and we submit to his will and his authority, then we petition him for our needs. And in doing that, we don't petition him for filet, right? Which would be awesome. A little A1 sauce on the side. No, we petition him for the needs that we have that are sufficient for the day that is to come. And so that's very important. We want to pray, God, help me to get 
the things that I need to, to live for today. Now, that could be the, the, the provisional, the sustenance, the food, the things that we have to have to actually survive physically, or it could be something larger than that. I want you, if you've got your Bibles, to jump with me to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus is in the Old Testament. We've been in the New Testament. Exodus is, if you go to the front of the Bible and you'll skip through a bunch of things and a bunch of words and a table of contents, you've got Genesis Exodus. It's the second book of the Old Testament. And I want us to spend a little time here today. Exodus chapter 16. This is a story that some of you may be familiar with. Um, We referenced this guy Moses a couple weeks ago. And Moses was a guy who led God's people who were in captivity in Egypt. He led them out of Egypt. They They were enslaved in Egypt. And they, they were under the rule and reign of the Egyptian people, and they were making bricks. And so as they're making bricks, they were literal slaves, which means that they were provided, not a lot, but they were provided the things that they needed to eat so that they could continue working because the slave masters did not want them leaving their work. They didn't want them to quit making bricks so that they could go and provide and find their food. So the slave masters would provide to them the food that they needed for that day so that they could just continue eating and continue working. And that's really, really important. And so then Moses comes at the, 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 the pleading of God and he says, go and set my people free. Moses goes to Pharaoh. There's this incredible thing. They walk across on dry land when the waters are rolled back. This incredible, amazing Amazing miracle of God. I mean, they are surrounded. There's water in front of them that they can't swim across. There is the Pharaoh's army who's changed his mind. They're chasing behind these people. And now they're standing there and God does this incredible thing. God says two things. One to Moses, take your staff and strike the water and the waters will be rolled back. But before you're to do that, the priest, the elders of the people are to begin walking into the water. Now, before the miracle ever happened, and I could, I could kind of preach on this for about six weeks and some of you would shout. Before the miracle ever happened, they were carrying the presence of God and they, they went into and stood into the water as they began to walk across. They didn't start out walking on dry land. They started out walking on water. There was an obedience required of them before they could see the fulfillment of what God was going to do. Now, that's an incredible point, right? But think about this. Those people who did that They get out into the desert because then the water rolls back and swallows up their enemies. And now they're out in the desert and they're out in the desert. And guess what happens, right? Some of you now are experiencing what happened to them. You're thinking about where you're going for lunch, right? Your stomach's rumbling a little bit, your your breakfast bagel, your coffee, egg white delight, whatever you had for breakfast, which sounds amazing right now, whatever you had for breakfast has worn off and you're thinking, what am I getting for lunch? And that's what happened to the Egyptian, or to, the, to the Hebrew people that after they come out of Egypt, they walk across on dry land, they get out into the desert, and then their stomach starts to grumble a little bit, and they get hungry. And some of them remember that they never wanted for food in Egypt, right? Because their slave masters provided to them the food that they would need so that they could continue eating. And so even though they were slaves, they were provided for. They, what, was, what came with that provision was enslavement, entrapment, right? They weren't free people. Now they were free. Now they were out into the desert, but they couldn't get their minds wrapped around their freedom because they were so worried about their hunger. And so this is what it says in Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 2. Okay, this is the whole congregation. A bunch of people. This is what happens when church people get together. They start grumbling and complaining. Not you, other, other church people. And the whole, that was funny. Y'all are not with me today. Come on. That was hilarious. All right. Exodus chapter 16, verse two. This is what it says. 
And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat, listen to this, this sounds amazing, by the pots of meat and ate bread to the full. I mean, meat and bread, hello, right? That's amazing. It's like roast and potatoes and, okay, somebody invite me over to your house for lunch. So this is what it says. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, just stop right here. I want you to remember this. They just walked across on dry land. These are the same people who had water in front of them and enemies behind them, and God delivered them, right? They had been enslaved. They come out, they're free. They're walking out into the desert, and they're free people. Their slave masters are nowhere to be found. And what are they saying? It would be better if God would have just killed us back there than brought us out here to let us starve to death. Because back there, we were enslaved. We weren't free, but we had pots of meat... And all the bread you can want. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I think I would have gone back there too, right? Because this is what they're, they're complaining that they are hungry. And they've lost sight of who just provided safe passage for them. So let's continue reading in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Verse 5. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, listen to this, at the evening you shall know what it was the Lord, that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so what God is doing here, way more gracious than me. I mean, if I had just saved these people... And now they're grumbling and complaining. I'd be like, fine, go back, right? I'll get a whole new people. But God says, no. Okay, here's what I'll do. If you're hungry, I will provide food for you. And so what I'll do is I will rain down bread from heaven, right? And so here's what you're going to do. Six days a week, you're going to go out and you're going to gather food. Now, the seventh day was a day set aside by God. It was called the Sabbath. It was to remain holy. They weren't supposed to work on that day. And so gathering food would have been considered to be working as it related to the old covenant there. And so he says, okay, six days a week, you're going to go out and you're going to gather the bread that I've rained down while you were sleeping. And then on the, on the first five days, you're just going to gather enough for that day. And what's interesting, if you continue to reading, reading here in Exodus 16, and I encourage you to do that, it's a really fascinating story. They just went out. Nobody had measuring cups, right? He just said, go out and get enough for Every person in your household, right? Get an omer, all right? So let's just say get a gallon. I don't know what an omer is, but it sounds like a gallon to me. Let's get a gallon worth of bread, right? And so you go out and you do. And the Bible says in Exodus 16, it says some gathered a lot and some gathered a little. But when they measured it out at the end, everybody had an omer. That's incredible to me. That some of them got, they they were trying to get the omer because we're going to talk about another group of people in a minute. They were trying to get the set amount And so some of them got it, but they were terrible at math and they got way too much. And some of them, they, 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 they thought, I don't want to, I don't want to take too much, right? Because I want to make sure there's enough for everybody. And they got too little. I want to get my Omer worth, but I want to make sure I'm just right up to the Omer. And they still had an Omer. So it was, they, they measured it and everybody had the same amount. But there was another group of people that didn't trust that if they didn't get it while it was here today, that it would not, it definitely wouldn't be here tomorrow. And so they didn't just get an Omer for today. They tried to get two Omers worth 
Two gallons worth of bread. And what happened is they ate their one gallon today. And then when they woke up tomorrow, there were like worms and it stunk really, really bad. That omer that they tried to save for the next day. And God, remember, he was right up front with what he was saying. He said, I'm going to test you here. I'm, I'm testing them to see if they trust me. And then what you're going to do. So you're just going to get one gallon per day. One omer. And so they got a little, they got a lot, and it all came out to a gallon. And he says, here's what you're going to do on the sixth day. On the sixth day, you're going to get enough for today and for tomorrow so you don't have to work tomorrow. So I'm going to send enough every day for that day. And then on the sixth day, I'm going to change it up, and you're going to change it up. And I want you to get enough for today and tomorrow so that tomorrow you can keep that day holy. And it was amazing because the first five days, if you got two days worth, the second day's worth stunk the next morning with worms in it. You didn't want to eat it. But on the sixth day, if you got two days worth, you woke up on day seven and it was fresh. As if God had just sent it that day for you. It kept. Why? Because the Lord gave those instructions. And if you were obedient, he blessed that obedience by providing. This is incredible to me. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Because I'm not sure how I would have responded like, I would love to say, because I can look back now and go, he just lets you walk across on dry land. How can you not get that? Except there's a lot of things God's done for me in the past. And yet when I get into a situation now, I don't think about the past. I think about what I don't have now. Right? I'm sure I'm the only one in the room like that. See, some of you laughed at that. Anyway, okay, fine. Right? This is my favorite, one of my favorite stories. Because God was testing them. Will you trust me enough to just get enough for today? On the sixth day, will you trust me enough to get for today and get for tomorrow and believe that I'm going to save for tomorrow what the first five days I would not allow to be saved? Will you trust in me? And I ran across this phrase in my studies, this, this sentence, and I thought it was incredible. They, the, the Hebrew people, the people that were participating in this, that God was saving, listen to this. They were always just one day away from starvation. And yet they ate well for four decades. They were always just one day away from starvation. And yet they ate well for four decades. God gave that miracle within the first few days out of Egypt. And they actually spent longer in the desert than it took for them to get to the promised land because of other acts of disobedience. But during that entire time in the desert, God provided food. They were always one day away from starvation. That's a huge, huge, huge idea that I struggle with. Not physical starvation necessarily. Though some of you, some of us may have experienced that at different times in our lives. Not actually knowing where the food we were going to eat was coming from. I'm not even talking about that right now. Though that's definitely wrapped up in this idea. But it is definitely in trusting God a day at a time. Trusting God a day at a time. The request for daily bread expresses both our dependence on God and our confidence in God. That we depend on him. That if he doesn't do it. It's not going to happen. And our confidence. We're, we're saying I, I trust in you. I believe in I am confident. That you will deliver on your promises. 
The reality is that he already knows what we need before we even start praying. Because you and I, we're guilty of this. I'll just indict me. I am guilty of this. I forget. You guys never do this. I I am guilty of this. I pray really, really hard when I have a huge need. And I don't know how to fix it myself. You know, I mean, there's, there's more month than there is money. I mean, the car broke, the kids are sick, I got to pay something, there's not enough money there. Uh, You know, the the job, I'm getting, you know, some kind of, oh, there's this is unsettled and maybe somebody's going to lose their job and I don't want it to be me and I don't want it to be the people that I like, I want it to be those other people I don't like. And I mean, all these, so I just start praying, God, just guide my footsteps and let me keep my job or let, you know, let money appear, let just God work it out and just do, and I just start praying really. And guess what? He already knew all those things. Because in Matthew chapter 6, where we started here today, reading about the Lord's Prayer, guess what Jesus told us before he ever taught us? Guess what he told us before he taught us? Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Listen to this. Verse 9 starts the Lord's Prayer. That's where we started today. Verse 7 and 8 says this. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Listen to this. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Doesn't mean you're not supposed to ask him because right after this, Jesus teaches us to pray and to petition the father for the needs that we have. But guess what? Before you go to bed at night, not knowing about the bread for tomorrow, he knows you need bread for tomorrow. Before you lay your head on the pillow tonight, unsure about your job when you get there in the morning, God knows what you need for tomorrow. That should be an incredible amount of peace for you today. Some of us are such control freaks, we can't take our hands off of tomorrow we got to plan so much and prepare and put away. And, and, and I'm not talking about not planning and I'm not talking about not being good stewards. But for some of us, we take planning and stewardship and we put it in the place of trusting in God for tomorrow. The Father knows what we have need of before we even ask Him. And so for most of us, it's fear and anxiety and doubt and uncertainty. That keeps us from trusting God for each day. I knew a man who every night before he laid down would take out his wallet and he would open it up and he would take every piece of money he had out. Now, I'm not going to do that now because there's not any money in here. But he would take, I use cards, okay? He, 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 He would take his money out of his wallet and he would count every single bill. And he would know that he had, you know, two twenties and he had two tens and he had three fives and he had four ones and he would total that amount up and he would then fold it back and he would put it back in his wallet and he would lay it up on the top of his dresser and he would go and he would lay down and he would go to sleep. And the next morning he would wake up and the first thing that he would do is he would go and pick up his wallet and he would open it up and he would take his money out and he would lay it out and he would know that he still had two twenties. And two tens and three fives and four ones. And he would count it up and he'd fold it back up and he'd put it in his wallet. And he'd put his wallet in his pants and he'd go out and he'd live. Now, I don't want to speak for him because I don't know that that's the case. But 
there, there was definitely something about making sure, being attached to what he possessed here on earth. I'm not saying he was a sinner. I'm not saying he's a dirty, rotten person. I just know that, that that was his routine to help him manage what he had. Make sure he had enough when he went to bed and he still had enough when he woke up. I know a missionary who's not on the field right now, but who was on the field in previous years. And she described this to me. That when she left the United States and went to the country that she was going to serve, that she knew God had called her to serve, she went there, and before she left the States, she saved up enough money to put money in savings that if it went south while she was over there, she had enough money in savings to buy a return plane ticket home. And she went, and for the first few months, her the fruit of her labor, her, her efforts didn't seem to ever measure up to what her expectations were. And she said she was praying after several months being in that country. And she said she believes with all of her heart that God said this to her. You don't trust me fully here. If you did, you'd get rid of the savings account. Now, some of you, you just had a panic attack, right? I don't think God is calling us to be unwise. I think God is calling us to trust him. I don't think it's about a savings account. I think it's about what a savings account represents. While you're doing what God's called you to do, but always holding on to a way back. It's standing in the middle of the desert, looking back at Egypt and thinking that that was better for you. That that was the place that you need to be. Again, today's not about poor planning. Today's not about don't be wise, don't be good stewards. Today is about trusting God Today is about trusting God enough to go to bed and knowing when you wake up, there'll be bread. I don't know how it got there. I just walked out of my tent and bread had rained down on the ground. And I was just supposed to walk out and gather it up so my family could eat today. I mean, I'm just supposed to trust that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Trusting God is scary. Trusting God is hard. I get that. But there's enough to worry about without worrying about whether God is trustworthy or not. In the same chapter that we've been reading, the last verse I want us to read together today is Matthew 6, 34. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus was saying, don't don't be anxious about tomorrow. Know that I am sufficient for you tomorrow. That day has enough of its own to worry about. You don't need to worry. Because remember... What the really cool Greek word that I pronounced earlier that I'm not going to pronounce again. Remember what that meant. Sufficient for the day. Jesus promised us that he would give to us enough, enough to be sufficient for that day. And then he goes on to say in a different context about tomorrow that we shouldn't be anxious. Because tomorrow has enough of its own stuff to worry about. You and I can trust in God. We can go to bed and we can wake up to bread. You know what trusting God is? 
trusting God is believing when you have empty cupboards. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about some of us in our faith right now, in our story. We've got empty cupboards. We don't know how it's all going to work out. We don't know how it's all going to play out. We're trying to figure it all out. We've got some scary things in front of us. Trusting God is believing that he will be sufficient for that. Last story, my family knew a man named Clarence. I was really close to him, much younger in my life. Clarence was an awesome man. I've got some cool pictures where Clarence would do some fun things with me while my parents were traveling. I would always stay at his and his wife's house when I was much younger while my parents traveled. We would do some really fun things. Awesome, awesome man. One day he had been sick for a little while and he went to the doctor. And when he got to the doctor, he got a report that some of you may be familiar with. He got a really bad, scary report. It was a report so bad that it wasn't even about what he had. It was about really the limited amount of time he had left. And he's laying in that hospital bed and my dad came to visit him. And Clarence asked my dad, he said, what am I supposed to do? I mean, they're giving me a set number of days. How how do I live out those days? What, What do I do? And my dad, in the wisdom of God in that moment, I believe, was able to say to him something that I want to say to you today. You wake up tomorrow, and on your front doorstep is going to be enough grace to make it for tomorrow. You pick it up, you put it on, and you live. You do whatever you're needing to do, wanting to do in that day. And he said, and then you go to bed. And you lay your head on that pillow and you close your eyes and you rest. And you wake up the next day and you go out and on your front porch is going to be the grace of God for that day. And you live. And you go to bed that night and you rest. Knowing that tomorrow God's grace will be there sufficient for that day. Ask the band to come. I don't know what your tomorrow holds. I don't even know what your today holds. I have zero context for all of the things going on in your life. But that shouldn't shouldn't hurt your feelings. I have zero context about what's going on in the future for my life. None of us are, are, are future tellers. None of us know exactly what today or even tomorrow holds. We just have this moment and the previous moments to build for us an understanding of where we're headed And we all know that on a dime it can change. And I don't want you to be scared by that. I don't want you to think I'm talking some kind of morbid death and dying. That's not what this is. What I'm saying to you is you can go to bed. And trust that when you wake up there will be bread. Because that's what God promised. For me and you it's. It might not be about bread. For some of us in the room, it might be. You, you might need literal, physical provision from God for the things that your family needs to survive. You may need some type of actual miracle from God to make it. There's, there's not enough food. There's not enough money. There, there's not enough whatever. Not, to, not for filet. For just to make it today. I mean, just for today. But for others of us, maybe that's not... That's not the issue. 
Maybe yours is not the physical, I got to have bread so that I can eat and so I can be sustained for today. Maybe it's, maybe it's job, maybe it's finance, maybe it's family, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety about the unknown of tomorrow. Maybe it is health. I, I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I know. Here's what I know. That God promised to each one of us that he was sufficient for every day. He's sufficient for every day. So you and I can go to bed and trust that when we wake up, there'll be bread. You and I can go sleep and trust that when we wake up, God will be there. We can wake up and know that when we get in our car and we get to work where there's so much uncertainty there, that God will be there when we get there. And he's sufficient for us there. You and I can know that when we get in our car and we drive to the doctor's office or the hospital for the tests because they just called and they saw something scary and they don't know what it is and they just want us to come back so they can do some more tests. And we don't know what it is and our mind goes in a million directions. We can know that when we get there, God's there. And he's sufficient for us there. His peace will be there with us as we wait, as they test, as we wait again for the results, and as we get the news, good or bad. We can know that God is sufficient every single day. So here's the challenge for all of us, myself included. Do you trust God enough to live today? Or do you try to gather up two days worth? Do you want to make sure that while it's right in front of you, you get it? I'm going to get as much as I can. I'm going to store it up. I'm going to gather it up because I'm going to promise you it's going to spoil It's not going to do what you thought it was going to do for you. You have to trust him every single day to provide. You can go to bed. When you wake up, there'll be bread. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. God, we thank you so much that you are our provider. We thank you, God, that you can be trusted with the things that are going on in our lives. We thank you, God, that when we don't know, you know. We thank you, God, that when we're unsure, you're sure. We thank you, God, that when we're weak, you are strong. We thank you, God, that when we go to bed, we wake up and your provision is there for us. Physical provision, yes, absolutely, you can be trusted to provide. But even beyond that, spiritual, emotional, physical well-being, mental well-being in the face of fear and anxiety and worry. I thank you, God, that you're our provider. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. I want to ask a couple of questions before we close. If you would say to me today, Jeremy... I want to, I need to trust God more as my provider.
It scares me. I don't know how to do it. I've always been my own provider or I've always thought it was because of how hard I worked or how much I worked or what I could accomplish with my hands. But I just need to trust God. I'm still going to work hard. I'm still going to do what I'm asked to do and called to do. But I want to know that it comes from God. It's provided by God. I need to trust God more. And I want him to help me. Would you just lift your hands? A lot of hands up. You can put them right back down. Thank you. And if you would say to me now, Jeremy, I can't trust God because I don't know God. Not I don't know that there is a God. Not I don't know that there's a God out there somewhere. But I'm not in a personal relationship with God. Maybe I've sinned. Maybe I, I, I know I've fallen short of the glory of God as the Bible tells us. But for whatever your reasons are, maybe for the first time ever or the first time in a long time, you want to trust God today with your life. Not just for physical provision. You want to trust him with your life, with your heart, with your future. And you would say to me, I need to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ today. I need to ask him to forgive my sins. And I want to respond to him with my life. Would you lift your hand? Thank you. You can put it right back down. God, today I pray for those who have raised their hands. And people that raise their hands that they want to trust you in a relationship with you. And so God, today, I pray for those people. I pray that they would acknowledge their sinfulness. I pray, God, that they would acknowledge their need for you. That they fall short, as we all do, of attaining any sort of righteousness or right standing with you outside of your work on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. So God, today, I pray that they would realize forgiveness, realize your love, accept that, and walk in that assurance. God, today I pray for every person that raised their hand. There were a lot of us that we need to trust you more as our provider. We want to trust you more as provider. Help us, God. Reveal yourself to us. Don't let us be lazy. Let us work hard. But let us understand that our working hard is an act of obedient worship in response to you as our provider. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you have done. Let us never lose sight of the things that you've done to get us to this place when we get in the middle of a moment and we get hungry. We're not sure where our next meal is coming from. We're not sure what the future holds. Don't let us forget that we walked across on dry land. Don't let us look to days with longing of being enslaved, but let us live in our freedom and petition our Father who knows what we need before we ask it. I pray now, God, for every person in this room that you would relieve us of fear and anxiety and worry in this uncertain times. That God, no matter what things we have worry about, no matter what things we are anxious about, that God, today, your peace would rest on our hearts and our lives. And that we would know that you are with us every step of the way. We've never taken one step without you. We never will take one step without you. Let us feel your presence with us when we walk into new lands. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.